The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Oh, yeah! This is the Cigar Authority. Have uh, you any imported cigars? The authority on everything cigar in and out of the cigar industry. We're on a mission from God. With your host, a jelly donut, David Garofalo. How did it get here? Mr. Jonathan. I hear you. And I care. Barry Stein. I'm going to use my spare glove compartment underwear as a napkin. And Ed Sullivan. They don't have a list of Mr. Wonderful. What uh, spelling did you use? It's time to light them up. Smoke if you got them. It's time for the Cigar Authority. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. And we are broadcasting live. Today is Saturday, May 26th. And we're broadcasting from the La Florida Minicana Cigar Soundstage. And today, the topic dubbed hashtag strengthgate by our listeners, are small cigars, in fact, stronger than big cigars? What does blending have to do with it? And we're going deep into our junk drawer to bring out those old lighters and take them back to life. Welcome, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. And you're listening to the Cigar Authority, now in its ninth year, making it the longest continually running cigar podcast. Awarded the Ambassadors of Cigars by Cigar Journal Magazine. Awarded the Top 10 Educational Podcast by Podbean four years in a row. And the Cigar Authority is the most listened to cigar podcast in the world. Cigar Radio at its finest. The Cigar Authority is a proud member of the United Podcast Network. And you can catch the podcast on demand anytime at our daily blog at cigar, thecigarauthority.com. All right. So uh, today we are going to smoke a small cigar before we talk about small cigars. And we're going to smoke, uh, what is this, the Neanderthal SGP. What do we have here, Barry? Yep, we are lighting up the Neanderthal SGB, SGP, which is manufactured in Nicaragua, a Fabrica Nicosuino, a.k.a. Roma Craft Cigars. The size is 4.5 by 52, and it features a Mexican San Andreas wrapper over a Connecticut broadleaf binder with Nicaraguan filler tobaccos from Condega, Esteli, Jalapa, and Puebla Valley. It also contains Pennsylvania Double Lajaro, dubbed as Green River Valley Sucker One. It is part of the Cigar Authority Care Package. A single cigar will set you back $10.19, while a box of 15 is just $134.99, which is a savings of almost $18, or just under 12% off the single price at TwoGuysCigars.com. If you're too far away from a brick-and-mortar retailer that carries it, try TwoGuysCigars.com. That's the number two, GuysCigars.com. Kind of an interesting head. Somebody pass the oxygen tank, please. On, uh, <laughs> if you go down, your paperwork better be in pristine order so that I can do your part as well. That's all I'm saying. Well, and I'm in a safer location now if Barry topples over. That's an interesting point. Thank you for that, Ed Sullivan. Um, yeah, we're doing a show today without Dave. So uh, the roles have shifted around a little bit. Barry is going to play the role of not only Barry, but also me. And I'm going to play the role of Dave, and hopefully I can fill his uh, triple E shoes. Uh, so we're smoking this Neanderthal, and I'm noticing right off the bat that the cap is different than most cigars. It's like a Frankenstein head. Very, very flat across yep. the top for those listening on the podcast. And as I understand it, this cigar is rolled as a torpedo, and then they cut the end of the torpedo off and then cap it there. And that's how they're able to get it to be completely flat. You know anything about that? No, I did not. We, yeah, actually, we actually learned something today. We don't know if authority. that's completely true. I'm you know, sure we'll I'm hear sure, from Skip yeah, if it he'll wasn't. he'll chime in and let us know. I have to say, by the way, uh, 
on uh, hashtag StrengthGate. I do owe Skip a great debt of gratitude. He dealt with my pestering for the better part of two months as I researched uh, what we're going to be discussing in the second hour here. Uh, so oh, we're going to cut the cigar. <laughs> I was skipping over something there. It's time to cut our cigars. The official cutting is brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand that while all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Excellence. So we're going to cut our cigar here. And with this flat head, you really got to get in. You got to do it really, really close. Because you really want to just give it a shave. You don't want to cut too much because there's not, it's not like a normal right. torpedo. They've already done yeah. some of the cutting for you. Yeah, if you cut this off and you're taking off more than the cap, you are cutting too deep. Yeah. There I should be it. like no loose tobacco once you remove it. Yeah, I got that completely flat across. Yeah. One of, and one of the things that Dave talks about for, and for our rookies listening is the down pressure on your cut. Yeah. So when you go to latch onto the cigar, you latch on with the teeth of the cutter, especially I get the Lotus Jaws here, so it gives me a good grip. And you give a little bit of pressure in toward the cigar as you cut, yeah. and that gives you the ability to not allow that cutter to ride up and give you a crown. Very important when you're cutting a Neanderthal because there isn't a whole lot there There's left a, yep, not to a lot cut of off. Right. Or you've seen my Neanderthal cutting technique with a razor blade. And he carries, he smokes a lot of these. <laughs> and he, so he carries a little push-out razor blade that he can just sometimes break off the tip if he needs to. And then he can get himself in there and really. Well, have you ever seen a chef use a razor blade to cut a piece of garlic really, really ultra, ultra thin? I've seen that. That is basically the same skill you need to cut the Neanderthal. Now, I stole a trick for cutting garlic from my friend Tommy Grella. I use a potato peeler, and then I just, and I have 15 different slices, all the same exact thickness, no razor blade. But Even without Dave, it's the food authority. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's the sucker-worn tobacco in there. I just suck you into it. <laughs> a little sweetness on the cold draw. Mm -hmm. Little raisiny and also a little barnyard. Little meaty. Anyway, we're gonna light today's cigar with the Lotus Duke. It features a single action, triple flame, with a flip out cutter that's good to 64 ring gauge. It features a patented Vertigo big ass tank and it retails for $69.99. Look at you banging out the commercial right there. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. So we're going to give this a light. And then we're going to dive a little bit into some lighter maintenance. And I split this up into two parts. We're going to go kind of the basics. We'll go 101 at first. But then I had people reach out to me the last time we did this. And they said, well, I did all the stuff. And the flame is still a little on the weak side. Or the lighter's not working. Does that mean I need to buy a new lighter? And, and oftentimes it doesn't mean that. Also, I think the last time we did this, we weren't broadcasting in true high def like we are now. So some of the details might have been lost in the video. Could be. And uh, with the new studio here and the new cameras, um, I think it'll be a lot easier to follow along. So before we get into lighter maintenance, we're going to uh, we're going to listen to Barry one more time, and Barry's going to tell us what's up in the cigar world. It's time for What's, what's up? up in the Cigar World, brought to you by Recluse Cigars. You want to know what's up? Recluse Cigars is what's up. 
voted the 2015 Cigar of the Year is the Recluse Amadeus Reserva Habano. Every Recluse cigar goes through eight, count them, eight fermentation cycles over the course of two full years. They are box-pressed and rolled end to bar for a perfect draw every time. If you haven't done it yet, be sure to try a Recluse cigar today. Sorry, I take a sip of my coffee. You couldn't have done that during the friggin' commercial? Uh, a win for the cigar industry is the FDA lost a bid to move a lawsuit from Texas and lump it into the existing lawsuit. This week, the Texans Merchants Associations will get to ar- won the fact that they will get to argue their case in Texas next month. Nice. J.C. Newman has sent to retailers 100,000 postcards addressed to the FDA for consumers to mail to the FDA to exempt premium cigars from regulation. Those postcards are beginning to arrive to retailers as we speak, so stop by your local brick and mortar that carries J.C. Newman cigars and fill yours out today. Lastly, in Nicaragua, Esteli is currently under a roadblock. All entrances in and out of the city are currently blocked, which means cigars have been unable to leave the city, which means there could be a shortage in the near future. And that's what's up in the cigar world. What's up in the cigar world was brought to you by Recluse Cigars. The Recluse Amadeus Habano Reserva uses grade-A Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, a San Andreas binder, a Dominican Lajero Seco, and Pennsylvanian Broadleaf filler tobaccos, which create a blend we call the Cigar of the Year. Recluse Cigars is What's Up! So yesterday, Ed Sullivan and I got to hang out a little bit with Steve Saka, who stopped by for a visit. And he was telling us that he couldn't get cigars in or out of Esteli if no he tried. Kidding. And if you follow Pete Johnson on Facebook, he couldn't get into Esteli last night. So the only way in or out is through back roads, which turns a two-hour trip into a seven-hour trip. Why is there a roadblock? Uh, they're protesting the Social Security issue. I thought that was Nicar- squared away. The guy mm-hmm. said, never mind. And Not it went yet. back. Not yet. No. So there could be a shortage on all things Nicaraguan in the near future. All right. So hopefully you guys knew that we were going to do the show and you got your old lighter that doesn't work. Now, you're going to need a couple of tools. You're going to need a small Phillips head screwdriver. And if you need to know the size of that, on the bottom of most lighters, there's a little Phillips head screw. So you need a screwdriver that will fit that Phillips head screw. And then you also need a flathead lighter, and we're going to use that as a little bit of a pry bar during our exercise today. Uh, You also need premium butane, and we're using the Lotus butane, and the brand name doesn't matter so much. A lot of the butanes, if the can looks similar, you want to look for a can that has a seal on the top, and it's Sullivan, if you can give me that camera there. So you notice the seal on the top of this. That's what you're looking for to know that you've got high-quality butane. If there were a seam down the side, that's lower-quality butane. So there's not a lot of times in your life where spending extra is going to pay dividends in the future, but when it comes to lighter maintenance, the, the butane that you put in is important. And the reason for that is because of, I'm gonna get my flashlight out here, because of how small the jets are. So one more time, Ed Sullivan, if you look in the head of this lighter, those jets are so tiny that if I have any impurities in the butane whatsoever, those jets are going to get clogged up and I'm going to have a lot of issues. Now, if I did have clogged jets, you can get a safety pin and you can poke out the jets. If you notice that they're, that they're clogged, you can get in there and kind of scrape the deposits out. 
Another thing is people tend to light their cigars uh, incorrectly. They come from the bottom of the cigar on the light and where you want to be is off to the side. And that way any of the ash that falls off mm -hmm. the end of the cigar doesn't end up inside the lighter. A good thing to clean out the jets is also a unstapled staple. And you can bend you it can into the shape in, of yep. an L. It's where you got a little something to hold on on top and railroad rotor rooter it. Thank you. You that. can use uh, also a little bit of rubbing alcohol and a Q-tip and get in there and clean the jets out. Uh, and then just without clicking the clicker completely, just a little bit of depression will blow the jets out and you'll get yourself clean. But uh, the acronym that I use is GHOST. And we started talking already about the gas. That's the first letter in GHOST. So you want to have premium fuel only, and this allows you to, to have your lighter last for as long as it possibly can. The fewer impurities in there, the less damage you're going to do to the hoses that are fueling from the tank to the jets. Those aren't going to dry out, and you're not going to clog your jets with impurities. The next part of GHOST is H, hang upside down. So when it's time for me to bleed my lighter, which I'm going to just show, I'm going to show the lighter here for a second, Ed Sullivan. If I show you the amount of liquid that's, the amount of butane that's in there, if I go to fill this up, you'll notice that the lighter will not fill up all the way. I've got about half an inch of airspace in there that is not allowing me to fill. So with the lighter upside down, I'm going to depress the valve with my Phillips head screwdriver, and you'll see a little spray come out, and now... I'm bleeding the lighter, and what I'm doing is taking the back pressure out of that lighter. And you'll notice now when I go to fill up that I'm able to fill up the lighter all the way. It goes right to the top. Maybe there's a little tiny bit of space there. I could bleed it one more time if it was really important or if I was getting on a plane and I wanted to make sure I had no air bubbles in there, uh, then, then it would be all set. So most of the time, bleeding out the lighter is going to cause the lighter to work. Now, if you follow social media, there's been a lot of people saying that they've smoked for so many years and they've never bled a lighter, other than getting the extra gas in there. Well, you deal with back pressure. So what happens is when you very, very first fill up any lighter, you end up with a lot of pressure. And a lot of that pressure gets let out when you first light it. So you'll see, uh, remember the time that you almost set yourself on fire? Yes. That lighter had just been filled and you were lighting it for the first time. So you had a lot of pressure in that lighter and the flame had not been turned down. So when you fill up a lighter, you really should turn the flame down a quarter of a turn, give it a strike away from your face and see if the lighter lights. And you'll notice that the flame is, pro even with a quarter turned down, you'll notice the flame is about the same height as a regular flame. As it burns for a few seconds, you're releasing that pressure, the flame is gonna turn itself down and the lighter may go out and then you bring yourself back up a quarter turn and you're all set. Everything with lighter adjustments is a quarter turn here, quarter turn there, because uh, especially what we get into in the next hour in removing the governor and really being able to tune your lighter for real, you just, you've got to be careful that you don't turn it up too far because you've got an explosive gas in there. And now another thing, I'm going to that camera one more time, Ed. The next letter in our acronym is O for oxygen. These jets on the side of all lighters, if I were to cover those jets with my hand while the lighter is going, and uh, you can see the flame start to flicker. I can almost get it to shut off. But um, if these jets are filled up, I'm not getting enough oxygen in the lighter. So, again, a Q-tip and some 
uh, alcohol or even just my precision screwdriver here, getting in there and wiping out those vents. This so is getting a little deep, deeper than 101, but having that oxygen be able to flow inside the lighter is important. So when you mentioned the Q-tip earlier, you were talking more or less about the vents on the side versus using it on the jets on the no, top. No, you can use it right on the top. Uh, the rubbing alcohol will clean out those jets and it'll dissolve any of those particulates that have rested in there. So you'll be able to clean it out with a Q-tip. Uh, you got to be careful around the striker that you're not catching the Q-tip because you'll end up with Q-tip remnants in there. Uh, so just be careful around there. Uh, the next thing is spark. So when we talk about spark, and I'm going to get my light, my flashlight here, so you can see the the sparker here. Now a lot of times when you go to light a lighter, you'll see that the lighter doesn't light, and I can duplicate that here. And I'm using an old lighter. I'm going to move this striker up. Here we go. So where it's dark, you can see on the video that it is sparking against the back of the lighter here. It's called back sparking. So the butane's coming out of the jets, but the spark is hitting the housing of the lighter. So you take your precision screwdriver and you just give that striker a little bend toward the jets. Test it. A little more bend. There we go. Now my electrostatic sparker is sparking to the jet and not to the housing and this is going to allow me to have a good light. I'm still back sparking a little bit. I shouldn't have bent it that far. So that spark. And then the, the last piece is timing to spell out ghost. And timing, you see this on more expensive lighters than you do on cheap lighters. Cheap lighters, especially a triple jet like the one I'm using here, you've got uh, the rocket, which I keep in my pocket. These lighters have an awful lot of fuel that are shooting up beyond that spark. So you end up filling this housing with gas and that spark ignites it. Now, a single jet with the same size tank isn't going to give you enough fuel oftentimes. So that's where timing comes in. Play with your lighter and try striking the striker a little bit slower. If I do this with the, the Duke up close a little slower and that allows your chamber to fill with fuel and allows that spark to spark the lighter. A lot of times we'll see that impatient guy that's going click, 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 yeah, click, click, click. I don't think with this one because it's been one bled properly, right. but you almost can't click it too fast on the Duke. But there are some lighters and, and I see it more with single jet lighters than I do with yes. triple jet lighters. You can strike it too fast and you just don't have enough fuel in that area to light. You're trying to create a, a small explosion, right? Correct. So, that's the that's lighters 101 you want to have premium fuel and that's going to extend the life of your lighter you always hang your lighter upside down when it's time to fill it and you want to make sure you not to lean, bleed it you don't want to be leaning over it with a cigar or a cigarette while you're doing it why because you, the why gas you'd be smoking a cigarette over your cigar lighter I there are some people know, who do both but you wouldn't want to be leaning over it and have that combustible over the gas escaping that's a Fair point. Uh, you want to make sure that you have plenty of oxygen getting into the flame so you clean out those jets and you can use a little uh, rubbing alcohol with a Q-tip. You check your spark and make sure that you're not back sparking. If, if putting premium fuel in and hanging it upside down and bleeding the lighter doesn't work and you can hear gas coming out and I do urge you not to put the lighter up against your ear and then strike it. <laughs> We've seen that happen. Strike it first and hold the button down and bring it to your ear and see if you can hear it. If you hear fuel coming out, 
your lighter has the potential to light. Another way you can test it without putting it up to your ear is use another lighter. So you engage the gas and see if you can get that flame to ignite. You may have the lighter turned up too high or it may be turned down too far. And you'll notice when you go to light it, it it's not lighting or, oh my God, it's lighting like crazy. It's up too high. So you make little quarter turn adjustments and see if you're blowing your own spark out. From experience, I've noticed that if a, a cigar is spitting out gas, but it's not lighting more often than not, it's because there's too much gas coming out. Too much is, is, is too much. Um, and then when it comes to the spark, you just look at the housing and see if you're seeing a spark jump off of that igniter back to the housing. And now you just give that little striker, just a little bend toward the jets. And now you're going to give yourself some uh, ability to get that lighter cranking. And then make sure that you're not clicking it too fast and you have ghosted your lighter. Now, sometimes ghosting doesn't work, and we're going to get into that into the, in the next segment uh, a little deeper into how to take your lighter apart. But before we go any further, we're going to take a peek into the asylum from our good friends at Asylum Cigars. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha. They're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time. And I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats. And they're coming to take me away, ha-ha. It's time for news from the Insane Asylum. Odd and sometimes historic news stories that are too insane to be true, or are they? Brought to you by Asylum Cigars, Take No Prisoners. Asylum Cigars are truly flavorful, medium-bodied Nicaraguan cigars, with sizes ranging from 4x44 to the absolutely insane 8x80 Asylum Cigars. For the longest time, cigar smokers in New York City have been told they couldn't light up in parks and midtown in Manhattan, but all of that is about to change thanks to Mayor DeBozo. His honor has instructed police officers... I think his last name is de Blasio. Nah, he's a bozo. Okay. His honor has instructed police officers to no longer write summonses or arrest people for smoking. The catch, it only applies to marijuana, which is still illegal in New York City. So light up illegal products such as a cigar and get a summons or possibly arrested. Roll a blunt up with some Mary Jane and get a free pass. And that's not only insane, it's asylum. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha, they're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha, to the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats, and they're coming to take me away, ha-ha! I can't believe you missed your golden opportunity. You get a pass, pass, puff. puff. See, I don't smoke the marijuana. So oh, I, I do all I, the time. But I yeah, didn't know that. So I'm all about the inhaling. Love the weeds. <laughs> uh, so the following message was submitted through the Two Guys Cigars website, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. And uh, the query is uh, cigar lizards, or lounge lizards, as David called it. Hi, David. I love your show. I live in Washington, D.C. area, and I respect what you said about cigar lizards or lounge lizards. I was one myself. Now I just buy and leave. I used to always buy and then smoke what I brought with me. My reason for doing so was that I didn't trust the humidity at the shops. I like to age my cigars at home first and then smoke at a lounge. Keep up the good work. You guys are great. That is an, that is an issue with some shops. You know, not everybody is up 
on their humidity in their humidors. And unfortunately, that's a sad thing. Yeah, if you're at a shop and you notice that the cigars are a little on the dry side, especially in the wintertime, listen, it's very tough to keep the humidity up in the wintertime. You know, mm -hmm. you get, it's about a two-week window where you're just hoping and praying that you can just get through that window with the humidifiers cranked and the air is just pulling moisture out. Every time someone opens the door, everything comes out and, and customers stand there with the door open while they're trying to figure out what they're going to get. You know, it's like, what, did you grow up in a barn? Can, you know, can we keep the thing closed until you're ready to get it? Just during this two weeks. So if that's happening, the, the retailer themselves may not be going in every cabinet. So if you notice that their cigars are a little on the dry side, I, I don't see anything wrong with pointing it out and saying, hey, listen, I, I noticed I just cut this cigar and the cap exploded. Things seem a little dry. All right, do it the right way, non-confrontational. Not in front of everybody. Just pull off, off to, to the, the side. side. Just because you might be aware of it, it might be a little bit low for you. It might not be for the next person. Like me, I like my cigars at a lower humidity. I like mine around 62. Yep. So we're in the same boat, and we find it stays lit easier, especially on a hot, humid day. Well, as you, as you, you know, you talk too much, so <laughs> that's the reason why. Are you halfway through that cigar? Yes, I am. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> I'm like a quarter of an inch, although I've been talking the whole time. but It actually has, uh, I don't know if... It has a nice ash. Oh, if it falls off now, that'd be perfect. Damn it. So it's a perfect burn. It is a great burn. Gorgeous ash. Interesting. The cigar is, obviously, because it's smaller, it's considerably stronger than all the other cigars that I've smoked today. <laughs> it is. I'm feeling it. Um, but it, it, does have, it does have some nicotine kick to it. Very, very, very subtle notes of pepper, and I'm getting a little sweetness. Not unlike... A graham cracker. So if you had a graham cracker with just a little note of black pepper on it, I think you, you got a good description of our... Yeah, I think you're off base on Neanderthal this. Neanderthal SGP. Listen, this is my friggin' show this week. Yeah. I'm sitting in seat one. You, I'm right, you're wrong. You, you could fire me, but then Barry will have to come down here. Uh, carry on. <laughs> All right. So I'm getting a little bit of that char from like the, the edge of a, a steak that's being grilled. A little bit of that meaty char, but there's also a little bit of a, a dark espresso in the background, and that's what I'm getting from this shit. See what I have to put up with? Thank you. I'll be here all week. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Or for at least another hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to do one more mailbag before we go to break. The following message was submitted through the Contact Us page of thecigarauthority.com. And Greg writes, I was sitting on my porch listening to your latest show with my friendly neighborhood mail carrier arrived with a package. It turned out to be a box of Gilberto Oliva Reserve cigars. I immediately opened the box and proceeded to cut a cigar according to the way Christian had just instructed uh, you guys to try and smoked it, retrohaling every other draw while listening to the show. I totally enjoyed my cigar and the show, which I think was one of your best ever. There was no doubt Christian was comfortable. Oh, yeah. He, he was one of the better guests we've had. He's, uh, he's no stranger to talking, and I'll say that in having a chat with him in Dave's office, I was in there for about five minutes, and he told me about four things that I was doing wrong, and only three of them had to do with cigars. <laughs> so he, he has no problem uh, identifying problems that he sees and then also saying them. And you also had that 20-year relationship between Christian and Dave that was evident from the, the way they spoke to each Absolutely. other. Absolutely. 
It was definitely that level of comfort. They were comfortable. All right. I guess we're going to go to break. Uh, when we come back, sometimes you ghost your lighter, and it still will not light, or the flame is not the strength that it once was. I'm going to show you some next-level maintenance before we get into hashtag StrengthGate. We're live in the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. This is David Garofalo, and you've heard me say it over and over again for many years. Please support your local cigar retailer. And I mean it. If you don't buy from them, they will go away, and then what? There'll be no place to go. That being said, sometimes you're far away from any cigar shops or a place that doesn't carry the stuff you've been hearing about and you want to try it. That's where TwoGuysCigars.com comes in. It's the number twoguyscigars.com. And unlike most online cigar shops, at twoguyscigars.com, you can buy a single cigar of whatever you want. You don't have to buy boxes or even five packs and suffer through cigars you might not even like. One of this and one of that is acceptable, appreciated, and commonplace at twoguyscigars.com. That's the number twoguyscigars.com. Thank you for your business. Ooh, we're going to have fun. When the Cigar Authority returns on the United Podcast Network. There was a time when cigars were the hallmark of elegance and success. In this time gone by, the aficionado would revel in opening a beautiful box, only to find their favorite celebratory smoke emblazoned with a heritage-laden band. It's time to put the bundle down and travel back to this golden age. For your voyage, may we humbly suggest the only cigar worthy of being packaged in a handmade marble box. Berlin Wall Series from Hammer & Sickle. Live well. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number no. 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper. Fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up up the diamond crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or diamond crown lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman's Garco or visit diamondcrown.com. I want to talk to you today about my friend Glenn Case from Christoph Cigars. I've known him for many years. Glenn is a very nice guy, one of the nicest guys in the industry. Always friendly, always happy. So when I heard his brand Christoph was pissed off, I was surprised. Christoph Cigars have always been known as smooth and rich, and the pissed off Christoph is just that. But there's something else happening here. A natural San Andreas wrapper, the binder, Indonesian, and the filler, Nicaraguan. And like Glenn Case, the cigar starts off sweet, but then it gets pissed off. And like Bruce Banner, you don't want to piss off Glenn Case about Kristoff cigars. Or do you? Expect some spins and a nicotine kick. 
Strap yourself in for a ride. Pissed off Kristoff is deceivingly strong. You've been warned. Sold in 10 count boxes. Four sizes, including Churchill, 6x60, Robusto, and Corona Gorda. The hottest new brand is the Pissed Off Kristoff. Take it for a ride. Since 1964, Padron Cigars have had the same mission. With over 50 years spent to create a perfect cigar and more than 100 years to create a perfect legacy, the Padron family understands the significance of time. Padron delivers only the finest handmade complex cigars with the flavor of the Cuban heritage, out of which the Padron recipe was born. The Padron mission is simple, exceptional quality of their cigars and not the quantity produced. As a vertically integrated family-owned company, personal attention to every detail is taken in all steps of the tobacco growing and cigar making process. Padron Cigars, they give you the cigar smoker, the confidence that each cigar is the same. Perfect. Padron Cigars, handcrafted since 1964. I want to tell you about my friend Hochi Blanco, a fourth-generation Dominican cigar maker known for growing tobacco and producing highly acclaimed cigars for other people. If some things stay the same, other things have to change. Finally, Hochi's factory, Tobacalera Palmer, has produced the cigar that not only belongs to the factory, but pays homage to the cigar rolling room known as La Galera. The La Galera Connecticut blend is special, using an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper surrounding a Dominican blend of Piloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and a varietal that Hochi named T112. With the exception of the wrapper, Hochi grows all of the La Galera tobaccos himself and carefully watches over every step. The flavor, smooth, but still offering plenty of flavor in all sizes, paying homage to the people and tools used in the factory. Now for the amazing part. La Galera, Connecticut has a suggested retail price ranging from $4.95 to $6 and has been awarded the Cigar of the Year by the Cigar Authority. La Galera, Connecticut, creating their own version of the Connecticut cigar because they demand more. This is Hank Kelman and my son, Plas Peter Kelman, and you're listening to the Cigar Authority. And we're back live from the LaFleur Dominicana Cigar Sound Stage right above Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. Now in our ninth year, you can find the Cigar Authority on social media. Please be our friend and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Welcome back, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. Yeah, Jonathan doesn't have many friends, so if you could friend us, it'll make him feel better. I don't have many friends (laughs) in real life or on social media. So manufacturers... (coughs) to err on the side of caution, <coughs> tend to set their lighters on the low side. So especially if, you, if you're spending 50, 60 bucks on a lighter, you want to be able to bring that thing back to life. Uh, and I find right around the one-year mark is when lighters start to not be susceptible completely to the ghosting method and something needs to be done. And all that is is a sign that the lighter itself has now broken in and needs some fine tuning. So what manufacturers do is the inside the the lighter, and and this is, I'm gonna pull it up on the camera here, Ed Sullivan. This is the Lotus T3, it retails for $59.99. And what I did was I took this lighter apart and I set it 
so that it kind of wants to light. You can see that there's life in there. I'm certainly getting spark in the right area. It's igniting butane, but at this point, this would be a year-old lighter, and I've done everything I can, and I can hear the gas coming out, but it just doesn't want to stay lit. So at the bottom of most lighters, and there's two different ways that manufacturers do this. So I'll show you this way first. On this lighter, they use a plastic piece on the bottom, and I can just get my screwdriver underneath there and pop this off. So this has a little, a little knob that sticks inside a groove inside the lighter. So if I were to adjust this lighter, I could pop this off, give it my quarter turn, put it back on, and see if that adjustment allows the lighter to light, which it does. Now, right, there's a piece of plastic in there that when it hits the, that nub, there's a, yeah, there's a built-in governor groove system. Right, it won't let it go past a certain point, so in theory, you couldn't accidentally have it too high. Exactly. So now on this lighter, this company, Lotus, has a screw here, so I'm going to unscrew the screw with my Phillips head screwdriver. It's a little precision screw. I'm going to slide the body off, and you'll see that the governor system there, there's a, a little black, um, what's the O-ring. So if I take my flathead screwdriver and use that as a pry bar, I can get that O-ring off. And the O-ring is holding the governor in it. So you can see this groove here is stopping the lighter from going up any higher than so it is. So you have to remove that ring. You got to go, allo, governor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it just means Jonathan curse. Absolute pain in my ass. Is what you are. All right. Give this a little tap. I can get my light, my screwdriver underneath that governor. Oh, it worked so well before the show. There we go. He has performance anxiety right now. I do. My hands are shaking. I mean, there's only there like it is. 70 people watching this today right. on a holiday weekend. So now I'm going to take my screwdriver and I'm going to give it a quarter turn. And I'm not going to put the lighter back together until I know that it's working. Another quarter turn. Always to the left. And now it's working. So to stem off this happening in the future, what I'm going to do when I set the governor is I'm going to give myself the ability, and you, I don't know how well you can see it, but that little ring there has a, a, a flag sticking off the end of it. So I'm going to put that flag at 6 o'clock. Now, would there be any danger to not putting the governor back? Yes. If somebody didn't know that there was no governor on this lighter and they decided that it wasn't lighting properly, they could turn it more than a quarter turn, certainly, and then risk hurting themselves. Yeah, and without the governor, if you turn it too much, that thing will pop off like a rocket blasted into space because so it's held together in the system by kind of like a screw. Right. So I put the O-ring back on, and that O-ring is just meant to hold that governor in place. And before I screw things back on, I'm just going to make sure that I didn't change my adjustment. The lighter works. And now I can put the body back on. And I have a repaired lighter that I first ghosted. This is not something that you start off with. You, you always go through your ghosting process. Make sure you're using proper butane. Hang the lighter upside down to bleed it. Make sure you're getting plenty of oxygen. 
that your spark is correct. And now I have a Lotus T3 that is lighting up and it'll work every time. Not 60% of the time, Barry, every time. Big, the big key is that you always make quarter turn adjustments and that way you don't risk setting yourself on fire. And when you go to light the lighter, you always point the lighter away from your face. So again, you don't have the Barry Stein incident with the, uh, the lighter catching on fire. You, know, you want to go slow, steady, and wins the race. Don't rush through it. You're just full of it today. Yep. Full of information. All right, moving along. It's time for the Don Raphael Offer of the Day. It's time for the Don Raphael Offer of the Day, brought to you by Don Raphael Cigars. Would you do this? And if so, for how much? No. Gentlemen, I'm offering $50 per breast. Have I piqued your interest? I'm interested. <laughs> okay. Consume all of the breast milk of a lactating mother. And don't worry, Barry. I know you're concerned about this. She knows this is coming and is pumped enough so that her baby and, in fact, no one will go hungry as a result of this dare. So are we doing it right from the teat or are we doing directly, it already about a bottle? Directly from the teat. you got to drain her dry, $50 per breast. I mean, even if I don't... Drain or dry, I'm going to get $50 to... Close your legs, please. It's, just, <laughs> it's getting awkward. I have to adjust. Yes, count me in. You're in. Ed Sullivan? Do I get to see who it is first? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a valid point, because if it's a hairy nipple, you don't want to go there. On, well, women have all kinds of hormones going through their body exactly. during, during this uh, process, so... There may be hair, but I'll, I would do you a solid, and she would be uh, uh, easily an 8 out of 10 or better. Hell, I'll give you $50 to do it. Uh, I'd do it for free. <laughs> I'm torn. I mean, I suppose I could give it a whirl. If it doesn't work out, I saw it at 50. I mean, a, a baby can do it. How much could there possibly be in there? <laughs> I'm in. You don't have to sell it to me. I'm in. That was the dumbest one ever. Dave's going to be horrified. He's listening right now. He's horrified. He's like, you guys have uh, 18 minutes left of, the, of this first hour. You're out of material. What cup would she be? Would she be a B? Well, a she's a lactating D? mother, so it's there. she's probably at this point engorged. I don't think it matters. Yeah, cup, cup matters. Not for the amount of milk production. I looked into this a little bit. They all produce enough to feed their children. Lactatingmoms.com, is that what you looked into? None of your business. It's in my browser history. So, so Jonathan, we, we get a lot of customers in with broken lighters. What do you figure your percentage is in ability to fix? How often are they actually dead? Uh, I'm able to fix somewhere between 90 and 95% of lighters, and I would say... Of the ones that I fix, 90 to 95% have to do with just proper bleeding. Once in a while, I'll have someone come in and they're, they're saying that they, they bought a can of butane for a dollar. And when I ask them about the can, yep, it has the seam down the side. They know exactly what I'm talking about. And that most of the time is the issue. You can clean the jets out by doing a little back flushing, which is not something that regular people should do. So that, have a professional handle that to clean out those jets because it's dangerous. Uh, but bleeding out the lighter, 
the vast majority of the time is what does bring that lighter back to life. And making sure that you hang upside down. Uh, two horror stories. Uh, one guy came in and he was mad that he bled his lighter and he's gone through an entire can of butane. He bleeds it every time he fills it and the lighter's not lighting and you can look at the tank and it's completely empty. So I'm thinking maybe he has a leak. A leak, right. So I bleed the lighter out and I fill it. He goes, whoa, whoa, what, what the hell are you doing? You're upside down. And I said, no, I'm, this is correct. You hang the lighter upside down and you jam the butane in and this is how you fill it. And he goes, oh, man, he'd been doing it upside down. All right, gravity. And the other horror story is I was helping somebody with a lighter and as I'm attempting to bleed it, I get this overwhelming petroleum type <laughs> scent coming out of the lighter. And I said, well, what the hell fuel are you using? And to keep in mind, this is a, this is a, it was a vertigo cyclone, the original cyclone. And he had somehow in this, this gas in it, I can see it a little dirty looking. He had been able to fill the lighter over the course of three hours, one drop at a time with Zippo fuel. Just, he's like, it was, it takes so long to fill it. Can you show me a faster way? <laughs> I said, yes, I can use butane in a butane lighter. So those were my two horror stories. Well, on the second story, did you get the lighter functional again? That or? lighter was dead. That and so, was and there was one. nothing that could be done. He had to buy another lighter for $13. That was in the and 5%. Yes. So single torch, double torch, triple torch, and quad torch. Which ones do you see the most problems with? The most prevalent lighter on the market right now is a triple torch. So that's the one I'm going to say is the one I see the most. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, more, the one that is difficult to fix often is the single jet. With a, with a triple jet, you have three backup jets, well, two backup jets and one main jet. So you're, if you lose a jet, you still have a functional lighter. When you have one jet, problems can happen. I, I have had to pull hoses off of another lighter and kind of go in because, again, not using quality butane, the hoses on the inside of that lighter end up rotting and splitting, and you can... You fill the lighter and you can hear the gas coming out inside the lighter. You take the body off and you can see the hose is just shooting fuel out of the side. You can fix that by if you have another old lighter kicking around, which we always do, you can pull a hose off and use some precision pliers and get that hose in there. Very tough, very time consuming. If you spent less than $50 for the lighter, for me anyways, it's almost not worth it. Just buy another $12 vertigo and you're, you're in good shape. Are, are lighters becoming like razors? You know, razors, they started having single blade, double blade, trip. I don't even know what they're up to. And it seems like lighters are trending more and more jets. Well, the razor I use has five blades on the front and one on the back for precision trimming around the mustache. Really? Like, let's say you wanted to have Prince's facial hair. I'm not saying anyone on the show has ever done that, but... Uh, you use that precision one. But, yeah, I think lighters are capped out around five. I've seen five jets. Mm -hmm. I've not seen six. I'm sure someone will write in and tell me that they've seen a six jet. But I've seen five. Usually it's a table lighter. I don't see the purpose for a six. I mean, even with the 80s, you could do the 80s with no problem with a quad. Yeah, bigger's always better, right? Hey, so I'm for it. That's what we'll I told sell my more wife. butane. <laughs> There's no way you said that to your wife. Unless you have some sort of stand-in. Following message was submitted through the Contact Us page of thecigarauthority.com. And Mr. Hernandez writes, All right, guys, I'm a weekend warrior who likes to unwind. 
in the comfort of my freshly cut backyard while I light up a premium cigar and enjoy an hour or so in thought. But today I was listening to the podcast uh, from 12-2, 2018, going OTG with DNA, joined by Jason Wood of Miami Cigar. And I had an idea for a new cigar brand, Mi Esposa, my wife in Spanish. Not everyone is blessed to have a wife that enjoys the scents and aromas associated with cigars, and not all of us can have the rock and bod like Mr. Jonathan. Thank you, Mr. Hernandez. But we all want um, to court our wives, so why not produce a light to medium, easy on the nose cigar, and a cigar that attracts women, not distracts women. I'm also thinking of either cognac dipped or infused in case she wants to take a draw or two for herself. If you guys pursue this cigar idea, I'm not asking for any money for the idea. Just a free box. Thanks, guys. Signed, Mr. Hernandez. Three things about the email. First, you've proved that time travel exists because he was 12-2, 2018. Hasn't happened yet. Perfect. So we're going to do this episode in the future. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) Item number two, can't come out with a new brand thanks to FDA. And item number three, we couldn't give you a free box because of the FDA. All right. Now, Barry tends to be a negative Nancy, and I think that I would have a way to get around this. Number one, we could change the name of an existing brand to be Mi Esposa. Right? Possible. Okay. So that could happen. So as long as the box count doesn't change, Mm -hmm. that could happen. If he was a silent partner of the business, in name only, his payment could be one box of cigars, for the life, for his lifetime. And that would be a way around it because he'd be in the industry and you can have business to business. So it was his idea. He's the idea man. He gets on paper. He has no percentage of the profits, but he does get a box of cigars when and if it comes out. I'm only saying that because I can't stand that Barry goes negative on every <laughs> single person every single time. I do like the name Mi Esposa. It's pretty good. Yeah, the fact that I'd be bringing fire to my wife, I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right. I'll be here all week. This uh, <laughs> next one was uh, just an email that came in. Uh, Barry, Mr. J, Ed, and Dave, just finishing three weeks in China and Hong Kong, listening each week to the Cigar Authority via podcast due to the 18-hour time difference from New Hampshire. Last week, fellow Care Package member John and I smoked two Care Package cigars in Kuming, Yuna Province, China, which is the extreme southwest of China. Do you know where that is, Ed? I do not. I'm surprised at that. Where we were participating in a clean water and health advocacy project in an impoverished mountain village. I've attached three photos, the two of us enjoying our cigars in front of Kuming Motel. Mike is on the left, and one of the La Galera and Jose Dominguez cigars. They smoked beautifully. Fun to be part of the Cigar Authority family, no matter where we are in the world. Thanks. Signed, Mike. And uh, had I thought of it, Ed Sullivan, I would have forwarded you those pictures, <laughs> but I'm an idiot. Yeah. And, and I could have put them up, and everybody could have they shared. They could have seen. Yeah. So I got a question in the chat room from Rudy about lighters. Okay. And he says he has a vertigo that lights with difficulty, but when it does light, it acts like a flame flow thrower, and the flame is massive, and it shoots out yellow flame. Any idea what could be causing that? Well, everyone knows that yellow flame is caused from magnesium. Actually, that's not true. I have no idea what causes yellow flame. Sulfur. 
Uh, sulfur, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, more than likely, Rudy, if you look at those jets, they are clogged, and it does sound like you have uh, an awful lot of back pressure. So the first thing that I would say is not only bleed your lighter, but I, let's purge that lighter completely. So for this, you're going to tip the lighter upside down and drain all of the butane out of it. Flip it back upside down, shake it, bleed it again, shake it, bleed it again. Now you're going to have a completely empty lighter and you're going to start from scratch. Filling, bleeding, filling, bleeding until your lighter's completely full. Turn it a quarter of a turn down and then ignite it and see if that doesn't help. The other thing you could be experiencing is dirty jets, which could you could have a buildup of some composite in there that does burn yellow. And so clean those jets out with a Q-tip and some uh, rubbing alcohol, and you're, you're in good shape. It's probably Canadian bacon juice. Yeah, you think he's toasting his Canadian bacon with his lighter? Yes. So it's Canadians, you know. Maybe it's Canadian butane. So it's ham. He's putting yeah, ham it's hard in his say. lighter. Yeah. All right. The following message submitted through the Contact Us page of thecigarauthority.com. Hey, guys, I've been listening to the podcast about two weeks now. I listen to two to three episodes a day at work. As a young smoker, I want to know what type of cigar did my granddad smoke? My grandfather lived his whole life in Puerto Rico, and no one else in my family has an interest in cigars. Because of this, I cannot gain any insight. But if I wanted to go back to my ancestral roots, where do you think that might lead me? I'm going to have to throw you on this Yeah, one, I mean, in old San Juan, there's numerous places that, you know, they roll their own. You know, you walk into a little shop, they got the guy there rolling tobacco. It could have been something from one of those shops in old San Juan. And would it, could there have been a brand that would have been acquirable in the United States in, say, the 30s or 40s that came out of Puerto Rico? I couldn't even fathom an answer for that. All right. But... You know, back then, there were so many brands that were made, you know, not only in, in the southeastern part of the U.S. that could have been brought to Puerto Rico. My bet is it was one of those <clears throat> old shops where they hand roll cigars. My question would be <clears throat> uh, to Hernan, who wrote this email, mm. is it possible mm. that someone is misremembering that the cigar came from Puerto Rico and maybe it came from Jamaica? which would be more likely, right. and it could have been a Macanudo from back then, which Macanudo now is a, a shadow of what it was back in the right. day in the 80s. So that is, that is a distinct possibility. Yeah, if he has any old pictures of his grandfather smoking and there is some kind of aspect of a band visible. Send those to Barry at thecigarauthority.com, and he'll do some research yeah, for you. Based on the shape of the band, we could probably deduct a little bit what it is. If there's no band on it, it was definitely a hand-rolled cigar from a shop. Okay. I guess I can do one more. Michael writes through the Contact Us page of thecigarauthority.com. I find it hard to throw away cigar bands and cigar boxes. So I've put my hand to repurposing these items into cigar art, or as I like to say, cigart. Cigar memorabilia items like picture frames, lamps, Christmas ornaments, and fan pulls. I would love a show that talks about repurposing bands and boxes and the things that are created for the cigar enthusiast. Well, I think the most common is the... Cigar banjo or the cigar guitar. Or the lamp, the lamp out of boxes. 
And there's actually a guy that does uh, ashtrays out of um, cigar boxes. Isn't the cigar box... Creates custom wood to... An to ashtray already? Yeah, but this guy creates custom wood that, that he lays in the inlay of the box. There's grooves for the cigar. Um, somebody made it for me with a brand um, that we will be discussing at a later show. I was planning on bringing that ashtray in. And maybe we could show it off and wrap and do that as one of the segments. All right. So I won't toss this one. I'm going to save it and give it to Dave. So, Dave, when you're listening, here's an idea for a show. Oh, he's listening now. I'm surprised he hasn't texted me calling me an idiot or saying I didn't have enough material. And he got woken up by a fire alarm this morning. I saw that. Probably not in the happiest of moods. (laughs) But, Barry, I think on social media somewhere I saw somebody use one of the craft boxes, you know, with the metal sleeve on yes. it and they use the metal sleeve as a lampshade and i think the box itself was the base of the lamp it was actually pretty nice looking because the metal sleeve has the cutout so it really looked spiffy looked lamp like it did all right i guess it's time for us to take a break and uh when we come back the topic dubbed hashtag strength gate by our listeners Are small cigars, in fact, stronger than big cigars? And what does blending have to do with it? We're going to deal with Strengthgate when we return. We're live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire, in the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Stepping into the aging room has a new meaning at Aging Room Cigars, as Rafael Nodal has traveled to Spain, where the idea for Aging Room Solera was born. The Solera method of aging has been used for centuries in the making of wine, sherry, brandy, and rum. The method mixes different vintages, allowing them to age together. For Aging Room Solera, Rafael takes several tobacco vintages and puts them in bales, where they age together for another 12 to 18 months. This allows the tobaccos to marry for a longer period of time. At the end of the aging process, Aging Room Solera becomes a balanced and complex cigar with a fantastic price point. Aging Room Solera, it will have you calling for an encore. In a time where humidors are overflowing and retailers' shelves are on the verge of buckling, there is one brand that stands out amongst the rest. Sereno Cigar Company offers four distinct blends. The Connecticut, the Medio, Maduro, and Maduro XX, all aged to perfection. Crafted at the La Corona Cigar Factory in Esteli, Nicaragua, each artfully crafted blend comes to life by the experienced hands of master blender Omar Gonzalez Aleman and industry veteran Anthony Sereno. To create this masterpiece, a combination of hand-selected filler tobaccos from the fertile soils of Esteli and Jalapa are aged for over five years and then draped with a luxurious wrapper leaf to bring you an endlessly complex and majestic experience. A post-roll aging process of two additional years allows the blend to marry, creating unmistakable and ever-changing tasting notes that tantalize the palate, leaving you anticipating each and every drop. Visit SerenoCigars.com for a list of retailers, and you can always find Sereno Cigars available online at twoguyscigars.com. Sereno, a majestic cigar aged to perfection. 
You've heard us talking before about the best cigar magazine in the world, Cigar Journal. You want to know what makes Cigar Journal the best cigar magazine? Cigar Journal covers every angle of the cigar world. From exclusive stories and features, insightful interviews with industry power players, detailed cigar reviews, and of course, all the latest news and reports surrounding premium cigars. We're telling you, you will be impressed. Cigar Journal has stunning images, explanations of cigar science basics. This is the magazine for any cigar enthusiast. Or better yet, Passionado. Cigar Journal covers cigars in the U.S. and around the world and is printed right here in the USA. You owe it to yourself to discover the world's best cigar magazine, Cigar Journal. Available at your local cigar retailer and on the web at their new website, CigarJournal.com. That's CigarJournal.com. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Let me tell you a little bit about the Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary Cigar, or what they call the Three-Peat. Crafted in Rocky's boutique Nicaraguan factory, the 15th anniversary was released in 2010 to commemorate Rocky Patel's 15th year in the cigar industry, and it impressed right out of the gate. The Robusto and the Torpedo both scored 93 points in Cigar Aficionado, while the Toro and Corona Gorda both notched 92 points. The Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary is a robust cigar with notes of toasted spice, roasted coffee, and almonds. Rocky Patel himself has referred to his 15th Anniversary as the Decade on Steroids. The 15th anniversary has also been named to Cigar Aficionado's Top 25 Cigars of the Year list on three separate occasions. Rocky's only brand to accomplish the three-peat. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. The La Galera Habano uses a classic wrapper on a staple cigar for a classy company. Hi there, this is David Garofalo of the Cigar Authority, and I want, no, no, I need to tell you about La Galera Habano. The La Galera Habano is an authentic cigar elaborated with the hands of the best cigar rollers of Tabacalera Palma in the Dominican Republic. Blended around an outstanding, flavorful Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, the Dominican-grown Corojo binder, and the filler made up of Peloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and Peloto Oro, creating a medium to full-bodied, attractively consistent, and aromatic smoke that envies no other. I love this cigar. Have you tried La Galera Habano yet? Well, what are you waiting for? Available at better cigar shops worldwide is La Galera Habano. The wait is over. La Galera Habano. Justo and his father, Julio Eiroa, are continuing the tradition of growing authentic Corojo and now bring you Aladino. Aladino is a true old-fashioned cigar, pure authentic Corojo grown in the Eiroa Tobacco Farms in Honduras from the original Cuban seed of Corojo. An Aladino cigar represents the golden era of cigars in Cuba, and after one light, this old-school smoke will bring you back. Aladino cigars come from JRE Tobacco, a family-centered company who manage all aspects of cigar growing and manufacturing. This crop-to-shop operation is fully committed to providing you with quality and satisfaction. 
the premier Corojo grower in the entire cigar industry is Julio Eiroa, a tobacco grower and master cigar blender who personally guarantees that Aladino will provide you the opportunity to enjoy the true authentic Corojo taste. Take this journey and be part of history in a cigar smoking experience like no other. Aladino. This is good smoke. This is the Cigar Authority. Smoke a cigar? Sure. The authority on everything cigar in and out of the cigar industry. You'll get nothing and like it. With your host. You smoke vile cigars all day. David Garofalo. Oh, that's fine as long as you're imported. Mr. Jonathan. You should have caught me before my operation. Barry Stein. I never drink. Why? And Ed Sullivan. Might even lend you my lighter. So it's time to light them up. <laughs> Good. The Cigar Authority is here. You are finally done. It's all about nothing. And we are back with our number two broadcasting live from the La Florida Minicana Cigar Soundstage. It all started with Dave making the statement that small cigars are stronger than large ones. I disagreed and started making phone calls, sending emails, and reaching out to the who's who of the cigar industry to get to the bottom of this. It turns out that this straightforward question doesn't have an easy or straightforward answer. Welcome back, everyone, to the Cigar Authority. I forgot I had to do this part of the show. I thought it was only in the first I do. Half. I do have to say, though, Barry. I did ask you, and you told me yes. So You've you been are. behaving yourself for the whole show, and uh, if you think I'm pulling punches, you're out of your mind. Well, I figured the lighter repair was a little bit of a wreck, so I am now distracting. Oh, that. nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you, are li- you are lighting. You are listening to the Cigar Authority, now in its ninth year, making it the longest continually running cigar podcast. Awarded the Ambassador of Cigars by Cigar Journal Magazine and awarded the Top 10 Educational Podcast by Podbean four years in a row. The Cigar Authority is the most listened to cigar podcast in the world, cigar radio at its finest. The Cigar Authority is a proud member of the United Podcast Network. Catch the podcast on demand anytime or our daily blog at thecigarauthority.com. And I have to say for the people listening to the podcast this week, I do have to apologize because not a lot of the lighter maintenance is... Does, it doesn't cross over well from an audio For radio, standpoint. correct. But if there was ever an episode to watch, and even if it's just the first hour, you can, you can watch me deconstruct and bleed, and you'll be able to see exactly what it is. So not a lot of shows have a lot going on to look at. But this show, for the first hour or so. Right. Uh, who doesn't want to watch you bleed? What a, what a, <laughs> what a great point, Ed Sullivan. <laughs> I would right, do it for $50. So, <laughs> Uh, this weekend, we've had uh, the rep, John Fozzi, mm-hmm. in, doing events at all three stores. Today, he is in Nashua. Yep, and if you go to Nashua, give him your best Fozzi Bear impersonation for a chance to win nothing. Waka waka. I never would have put those two together <laughs> because his last name is Fozzi. Yeah. And that's Fozzi. Fozzi Bear. It's Fozzi. <laughs> so anyways, so we said we were going to smoke uh, the Kristoff, and we couldn't make it happen so that he'd be in the Salem location today. He's in the Nashua location. That's just the way the uh, cookie crumbles, as it were. So mm. we're going to light up Cookies. the Kristoff Criollo Robusto in John's honor. Sounds good, and it actually pairs well with coffee. So today's second cigar is the Kristoff Criollo, and it's manufactured in the Dominican Republic for Kristoff cigars. It's a 55 by 54 Robusto. Featuring a Honduran Criollo wrapper, binder from the Dominican Republic, and fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. 
A single cigar will set you back $8.39, while a box of 20 is just $146.99, which is a savings of almost $21, or just over 12% off the signal price at twoguyscigars.com. If you're too far away from a brick-and-mortar retailer that carries it, try twoguyscigars.com. That's the number two, guyscigars.com. And today's coffee, uh, Sean the Barista told me, is an Americano. And it's made with espressos that are a 50-50 mix of Brazilian and Peruvian coffees, both high altitude. Uh, it's got a little, a little tannic quality to it, but also a little sweetness on the finish. So I expect that this is going to pair well with our Christophe Criollo, a cigar that I've smoked many times. And before we're going to cut our cigar. And the official cutting is brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand that while all other cigar brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. excellence. And thanks for the help on the clicking there, Barons. <laughs> And today we're going to light our cigar with the Lotus Duke. It features a single action, triple flame, with a flip-out cutter that is good to a 64 ring gauge. It features the Vertigo big-ass tank, and it sells for $69.99. And this is a lighter where if there was an issue, you would definitely want to repair because of the value. It is. It's, got, it's an expensive lighter, but I, I'll tell you, and I work on a lot of lighters. I don't work on a lot of the Dukes. Because it's very, very well made. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, uh, you guys already cut yours. Now, closed foot. So, sometimes on a closed foot cigar, if you mm. smoke a Kristoff, they all have closed feet. Yes. You're going to have a little draw issue. And there's a little bit of resistance, but there's a distinct peanut flavor to it. With the skin. I guess. <laughs> The red ones, though. Yes, the red ones. All right, peanuts with the skin on. I'll give you that. Now, there's a couple of different ways to light a cigar that has an unfinished foot. You can toast it, but then you miss out on the extra wrapper flavor. So if you really want to know what the wrapper tastes like on this cigar, they give you the opportunity with that unfinished foot. So I always recommend with an unfinished cigar that you just put the cigar in your mouth and hit it and get a taste of that wrapper. And then if you need to touch it up and, and complete your toasting after you've burned through the wrapper, you certainly can. This is where you would talk, Barry, because I'm lighting my friggin' cigar. <laughs> um, looks like we might be having a little bit of an internet issue that had my attention. But as I like long as Ed Sullivan's not having an issue, I don't care. I did not see an issue. A little bit of spice right off the front. Right out of the gate, yeah. yeah. A little peppery component. A little bit of cedar. And a little bit of a, a coffee component that would probably be enhanced with a sip of this uh, Gunstock Americano. All right, so let's get into hashtag Strengthgate. And uh, before we go deep into the conclusion, I want to give our listeners a little background on blending in general because that is an important thing that you understand how cigars are made in order for us to understand whether or not uh, small cigars are in fact going to be stronger than big cigars. So manufacturers grow and buy a lot of tobacco and they sort the tobacco crop by seed strain, by priming, and this makes their job easier when it comes to blending a consistent line of cigars. 
There are five terms you're going to need to remember for this week's episode to make this make sense all the way through. We're going to start with Corona leaves versus Corona the size of the cigar. The Corona leaves of a tobacco plant are the very top primings. There are two or three leaves that grow per plant. They grow very thick. They're on, they are the strongest in flavor and nicotine for that particular plant. Now, just because you have a Corona leaf of one particular tobacco does not mean that that's going to be stronger than a lower priming of another tobacco. We'll get into that later. Next up is Lajero. Oh, Corona size, by the way. Corona size of a cigar is typically between five and six inches long and a 40 to 44 ring gauge. That'll be a Corona. So when we say Corona cigar, we're talking about the size and we're talking about the Corona leaves. We're talking about the top, top priming of that plant. Next up is Lajero, which is the next thickest and the next strongest in both strength and flavor, followed by Viso, which is the middle of the plant, known for its aromatic properties. And finally, Seiko is the bottom of the plant, which is known for its combustion because it does have the thinnest leaves on that plant. Uh, the Seiko, I don't know what I wrote here. Lajero <laughs> is picked, I'm sorry, the, the first priming is picked first, and then they move their way up the plant. So each time they go to a different priming, a little bit of time goes by, and then they pick the next priming, and so on and so forth. And the last leaves picked are the corona leaves. The longer the leaves stay on the plant, the thicker they grow, and the stronger they become both in flavor and in strength. Cigars need a certain amount of thin tobacco, mid-thickness tobacco, and thick tobaccos, which are often classified as low, middle, and high priming tobaccos in order for the cigar to burn properly. You can also have tobaccos that act like low, middle, and high primings because of their thickness. So really, out of, I don't want to say laziness, but just out of ease of explaining to the regular gringo, mm. a blender may say, oh, this has this amount of Lajero, this amount of Seiko, this amount of Viso. Really what they should be saying is we used this thicker tobacco in the middle, and then we surrounded that by the thinnest tobacco in the blend, and then the outside component is going to be the mid-thickness tobacco which is going to give you your aroma. Right. When I did the Kilo cigar, the filler was all Lajero, but it was a varying thickness. The binder was the thinnest of all to help with the burn. And that still was Lajero, you said, right? No, the binder was not The Lajero. binder was not. Okay. Oh, the, the filler Filler was 100%, but of varying thickness. Okay. So most blends start off at one-third thin, one-third mid-thickness, and one-third of the thickest tobaccos they're going to use in the blend, and then they tweak the blend for taste and optimal burn. For example, Skip Martin has a cigar in his portfolio that features equal portions of three Lajeros, which would be the high priming for those plants, and one Viso, which is the middle priming for that particular plant in his fillers. One of those high priming tobaccos, even though it's from the highest part of that plant and would make it the thickest tobaccos for that plant, is considerably thinner than the rest and it has outstanding combustion to keep that cigar lit and help burn with the other tobaccos. In addition, the binder and wrapper combination also aid in the burn of that cigar. This is why the whole process is more of an art form than it is a science. Although there is science behind getting a cigar to burn, there is also way more to it and way more than one way to skin a cat. Not all tobaccos are the same, according to J.R. Dominguez. You have to take into account that different tobaccos, different seeds grown in different places under different circumstances will create different variables. High primings of Connecticut shade grown in Connecticut, USA 
will be substantially less potent in both flavor and strength than mid to low primings of sun-grown tobacco in the Jalapa Valley of Nicaragua. These high primings could be mixed into a blend and offer great combustion, even though they are labeled as Lajero or even Corona. This is a far-fetched example and only meant to illustrate my point. Just because it's made with high primings, that doesn't automatically mean it's going to be loaded with nicotine. Thinner tobaccos burn better and faster than thicker ones. Thicker tobaccos yield stronger flavor, more nicotine, and a slower burn. And to make this argument even worth having, we need to be talking about a cigar that will stay lit and perform like every other cigar in the shop. There are endless amounts of variables when it comes to blending, as well as anomalies when it comes to tobacco. I do not want to stray away from Dave's original argument, so we have laid down some ground rules for our expert panel of judges so they can accurately answer the question, which cigar will deliver more nicotine to the smoker? Will the, the Corona at 6x40 be stronger nicotine-wise than a Gigante at 6x60? And for new listeners, 6 inches refers to the length, obviously, and then the ring gauge, 40 or 60, is referring to uh, the one ring gauge being 1 64th of an inch. So a 60 ring gauge is nearly one inch across at the foot of the cigar. That's a very thick cigar. And the Corona is uh, roughly uh, half an inch in diameter. Well, 30, 32 60 fourths would be a half an inch. Right. So it's That's closer why to like I said two, roughly. It's closer to two-thirds. <laughs> You're closer to two-thirds. All right. So now that we have our blending background, we kind of have an understanding of what tobaccos go where and why. It's time for the matchup of the week. <laughs> I wanted to ring the bell so bad. All right. The matchup of the week is brought to you by VS. VS stands for Versus, and it stands for Victor Sinclair Cigars. Victor Sinclair Cigars, who would win this hypothetical battle? Would you rather be famous when you were alive and forgotten when you die, or unknown when you're alive but famous after you die? Wow, that's a deep question. I'm going to let Ed Sullivan go first. You chicken. Yeah, I don't really care. Um, I'll take after I'm dead. I, I don't think the fame thing is all it's cracked up to be while you're alive. I like the anonymity. You do like to be anonymous. Uh, yeah, I, I notice you, on your Facebook profile you have a picture of your dog. Correct. Not a picture of yourself. He's better looking than me. It's debatable. I want to agree with Ed Sullivan. If you're famous, people are constantly going to be asking you for stuff. They're going to be asking you for money. They're going to be asking you for memorabilia. They're going to be asking you for your autograph. No, just leave me alone. <laughs> and I'm going to take the opposite side, and not just because I like to be obstinate, but you can parlay fame into wealth, and mm -hmm. you can only do that while you are alive. And I have Gary nodding his head in our studio audience. So I would like to be famous before I die, and if they forget about me after I die, who cares? It's an ego thing. I'm dead. It feeds your ego to be famous, so therefore it doesn't surprise me that you would pick famous. Me, I, I don't have an ego. Really? <laughs> <laughs> really? Mr. 100 rating on the Atabay Spiritus. And it was 100% correct. It was 98% it was correct. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to frame the argument. Dave had said that a Corona cigar in any given line of cigars is often stronger than the other thicker sizes. Many of us believe that he once again confused flavor with strength because he does that all the time, but he insisted that he was talking about nicotine strength. 
And my reply to him was that manufacturers, by and large, attempt to keep the flavor similar from size to size. And let's face it, if you are gifted a cigar, which mm. Barry's famous for his dry bag technique. Mm. <laughs> so someone gives Barry a Churchill, and he's not really a Churchill smoker. If he smokes that cigar and likes it and wants to buy another cigar in that line, and he smokes the Corona, and it's completely different, the manufacturer has lost the opportunity to sell that cigar to Barry Stein. Are you with me, Ed Sullivan? I'm with you so far. All right. So most manufacturers try to keep the flavor profile and the flavors in general similar from size to size. With the exception of smoking jacket cigars where every size is a different blend. That's a blender geeking out on tobacco, mm -hmm. being a tobacco geek. And Steve Socker with his Sober Mesa, the same thing. He's a tobacco geek, yep. and he is flexing his blending muscles, essentially making seven different lines with nine different sizes. A couple of them taste similar depending on those sizes, but you've got a, a dramatically different flavor. And you have people like Ed Sullivan who will only buy the short Churchill because Correct. he doesn't care for the way the other ones taste. Whereas you could possibly get Ed Sullivan to buy more than one box if they all tasted like the short Churchill. You with me? I concur to a degree. Okay. Uh, there is no way in hell a Corona can be stronger than a 60 ring gauge under this criteria because there is way more tobacco in a 60 compared to a 40 ring gauge. More tobacco equals more nicotine present. A cigar is a cylinder, so to figure out the volume, you multiply pi, which is 3.14159265359 what kind times, of <laughs> it's not cherry, I'll tell you that, the radius or half the ring gauge squared times the height and using that formula, a, four, a, 60, a 6 by 40 ring gauge is 1.8 cubic inches of tobacco. A 6 by 60 ring gauge is 4.14 cubic inches of tobacco, which is 225% more tobacco in a 60 ring gauge than in a 40 ring gauge. Now, that's a lot of math. Couldn't we just weigh them? I guess we could weigh them, but I didn't have a scale that would weigh okay. in grams. So. so you're not a drug dealer then? Not that I'm willing to admit on okay. the Cigar Authority podcast. No, but he will puff, puff, pass. <laughs> I'm just familiar with the term. Okay. I heard it somewhere. <laughs> All right, so before we get into this, the ground rules of this. To really have a discussion, we need to have some ground rules to go by because of the many variables we've already covered. The cigars discussed must be cigars that are or could be on the market. And in speaking with several cigar makers, it is possible to make nearly any outcome happen when it comes to strength versus ring gauge. Hypothetically, you could jam some strong Lajero into a Corona and force it to be stronger than a 60 ring gauge that has no Lajero. You could force it to happen. That said, the Corona would not bear sa the same flavor characteristics of the 60 ring gauge, thereby making it a different discussion. Not a could you do it, but would you do it? For the purpose of the original argument, we're going to define this debate as cigars must be marketable to the general public. If they don't burn, they don't sell. So no cigars comprised of 100% Corona leaves sourced from Nicaragua. It's just ridiculous. You could do it, but the cigar wouldn't burn well, and it wouldn't be sellable. Um, the cigars must bear a similarity in flavor to each other from size to size. The size should dictate smoking time only. Most manufacturers try to keep a consistent flavor, as we said, from size to size. And the argument is based on two cigars being of the same blend. We know that LFD can make a Corona that is stronger than Dos Ombre 6x60, but this is not the original debate. Mm. And for the sake of this debate, we would be smoking the whole cigar up to the band, 
The goal is not to see if a manufacturer can jam enough Lajero in the foot to make you sick in four puffs. Real cigars that really burn, and we're going to smoke them for an hour or more. Jonathan, what, one question. Yes. The, I mean, there's a lot of framing of the discussion and ground rules and what have you. Has Dave agreed to these, or these are just things that you're yeah, throwing Yeah, and they're out? kind of being thrown at us now before we get into the debate when I have my rebuttal without knowing said ground rules. That's not my problem. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to keep it a secret. If you listened to the Cigar Authority, I pulled the framework from the dis original discussion and the argument with Dave two uh, months ago. Barry and I do not listen to the Cigar Authority. No. We just participate. Yes. Okay, well, there's your problem. So you go back to that episode and you listen to it, and you can hear the argument because I tried pushing Dave and saying, are you sure you're not talking about stronger in flavor? Because every manufacturer that I talked to said thinner ring gauges are going to have more flavor. But... And then we'll get into the details later. Kind of feels like he skewed this to his side. Would you yeah. agree, Mr. Sullivan? Well, I'm just wondering if they've agreed to all these ground rules. And yeah, I don't mm -hmm. really care that much. <laughs> uh, so upcoming shows. Obviously, this week is the No Dave show, and hopefully you're enjoying it. Uh, June 2nd, we've got Cigars for Warriors. And on June 9th, we have Jamie Flores Estrada, or it could be pronounced Actually, Jaime. it's going to be Zev Karinsky. Oh, that changed. The, the change was made this week uh, when okay. Dave was in Nashua. We let him know Zev is the new national sales manager for the company. And, and he he'll be here as a live guest. He will be on via Skype. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, following that, we have June 16th, the father and son pop sickle with Eric Hansen uh, from Hammer and Sickle. And uh, there's lots of shows coming up after that. I'm not sure how far Dave wants to go with that, so I'll just leave that. We should all have popsicles on the show when popsicles here. Oh, nice. Does does this gentleman know that he's being referred to as popsicle, <laughs> and would he find that offensive in any way is my question. If he does, we'll just give him a popsicle, and it'll be all right. <laughs> now, because I'm talking too much, my cigar went out, and again, we do, we do have listeners that listen, and they jump mm. in kind of now. You know, this could be their first show they're listening to, so... When I go to relight my cigar, what I did was I wiped the ash off in the ashtray, and I'm going to toast the cigar like I would have done had this not been an unfinished foot. And my first puff is going to be to push the ash particulates out. I'm going to blow, blow out, out through the cigar over the flame. And Jonathan does that well, blowing hard. <laughs> and then my next puff is very clean because I want to talk about this cigar before we go to break. So what do, what do we have for it's, early it's, thoughts? It's nutty. There's a little bit of still cedar, an earthy component, and a little bit of coffee. Berry There's a lot of complexity going on to this cigar. It's, it's more than one straightforward note. I'm getting the combination between if you were to have mashed sweet potatoes and mashed regular potatoes with the skin on, a russet potato with the skin on. And I know Ed Sullivan only believes... Red skin potatoes should have the skin on, but I like the skin on all my potatoes. So if you were to take a bite of the russet potatoes with the skin mm -hmm. on and pick up that earthy component from that outside skin, I'm not a huge fan of washing my potatoes completely. I hope the boiling does all that. Uh, and then a bite of the sweet potatoes, that combination of sweet and earth is what I'm getting out of this. Really? Oddly enough, yes. I, I, need, I need someone to take Ed Sullivan's blood pressure. I think he may be stroking <laughs> out over there. So when you eat a, a baked potato, do you eat the skin or do you don't eat the skin? 
So um, it's all of it. Oh, I don't. Okay, I do. Oh, the skin's the best part, especially oh, you cooked a you cooked a baked potato, which my brother and I got are going to do on Monday. We cooked the baked potatoes on the top rack mm-hmm. of the grill while we're putting the the meat on the spit, and maybe some of the juices fly off and they get a little bit on the potatoes, and the potato gets a little burnt, and it's cooked all the way through yeah. and it's crunchy, and at the end I throw the skin back on the grill. And get it crisped up again. Throw some butter mm. on it. No. Oh, it's a pie. Do you, do you wash these, or the earthy taste is just dirt? Yeah, I don't really care that much yeah. about dirt. Yeah, before the show, you were telling us you were going to eat twelve pounds of meat this week. <laughs> <laughs> Even Sean's shaking his head. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. true. You were talking about a rib roast or something like that. <sighs> when we come back, you're going to recognize the names of the people that chimed into this debate. And they're all surprisingly saying the same thing. Which is it? Are small cigars, in fact, stronger than large cigars? When we come back, we're live from the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. I'm willing to bet you suck the bone dry. Rough Rider Cigars. So here is where the motorcycle culture meets Cigar Nation. This badass looking cigar uses the name Rough, but delivers a smooth as silk ride each and every time. Even before lighting one, you can't help but notice it's sweet like honey flavor. Smooth and creamy, resembling slightly sweetened butter. Outstanding! The Rough Rider Cigar is so beautiful in so many ways. We're talking a premium cigar, imported, long filler cigar, but wait till you hear the price. Every cigar is in the $3 price range, that's right. Even the Churchill in the 6x60, every cigar is in the $3 price range. Rough Rider Cigars, there's nothing rough about Rough Rider except a name. Rough Rider Cigars. The following message is brought to you by Drew Estate. Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars in the new Drew Diplomat app. Join me, Barry Stein, from the Cigar Authority on Drew Diplomat. As you know, I am quite partial to Liga Pavada number 9 from Drew Estate. So join me for a Liga and share your experience with Drew Estate. And while you're at it, don't forget to check into Two Guys Smoke Shop on the Drew Diplomat app. Drew Diplomat is now available for the iPhone and Android. To learn more about Drew Diplomat, visit DrewDiplomat.com. That's DrewDiplomat.com. You must be at least 21 years of age or older and a resident of the United States, including D.C. To be eligible for membership in this program, other terms and conditions apply. Surgeon General warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Since 1903, when La Aurora Cigars first opened their doors as the first cigar factory of the Dominican Republic, they have defined Dominican cigar manufacturing. Now, La Aurora continues that innovation with La Aurora Dominican DNA, featuring an exceptional blend whose soul is the Andullo. La Aurora pays tribute to the oldest Dominican tobacco process with a cigar that features tobacco that is part of their heritage and their DNA. The La Aurora DNA features this hard-to-work tobacco that brings the unique characteristics of strength, inspiring aroma, and sweetness that creates an exceptional smoking experience that only La Aurora can bring you. 
experience La Aurora Dominican DNA with its Cibao Valley Dominican wrapper, an authentic Cameron binder from Africa with fillers from the Dominican Republic, Pennsylvania, Nicaragua, and Anduyo. Available at top retailers like twoguyscigars.com and is distributed in the United States by Miami Cigar & Company. It's time to light that cigar and stay tuned. Ooh. The Cigar Authority will be right back on the United Podcast Network. Jose Dominguez, Jose Dominguez, Jose, Jose, Jose Dominguez. What the hell are you doing? I'm writing a commercial for Jose Dominguez. Well, what you should be doing is talking about how good they are. That Jose Dominguez makes millions of cigars for other people, but saves the best tobaccos and the best blend for his namesake, Jose Dominguez. Not singing a song, if that's what you think you're doing. What I am doing is creating what is known as a donut. Hey, nobody's going to take away your donuts. No, a donut in a commercial is when it starts with a jingle and then the information comes in and then ends with the song again. The information is the filling of the donut. Why does everything you talk about have to center around food and usually donuts? I don't know. Listen, Jose Dominguez cigars come in four great sizes and two wrappers. The mild, buttery, smooth, natural and the slightly bolder Maduro. And every cigar is about $5. You know as well as I do, Dave, Jose Dominguez is no $5 cigar. It's worth so much more, it's a sensational value. Okay, here's the end of the donut. You ready? Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. This is Eric Newman from the J.C. Newman Cigar Company, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority. And we are back broadcasting live from the La Florida Dominicana Cigar Sound Set. Christian Aroa, Skip Martin, Nick Perdomo, and many other manufacturers that you're going to recognize chime in on Strengthgate over the last two months, and here is what they had to say. So each person I was able to either reach out to via email or via Facebook, or in Christian's case, I was able to talk to him in person last week uh, in Dave's office. Christian says, a puff is a puff. Each puff consumes the same amount of tobacco regardless of ring gauge. It's the same amount of tobacco burnt that exposes you to the nicotine. So one puff of a Corona delivers the same amount of nicotine to your system as one puff on a 60 ring gauge. In the end, you will get more nicotine out of the 60 ring gauge cigar only because you'll be smoking it for twice as long. He says he could blend a Corona that's capable of delivering more nicotine than a 60 ring gauge, but he also could not make them taste similar to each other if he did. So part of that response, can, uh, it jives, it with, jives with my, my science, yeah. buddy. All right. Um, so when I posed the question to Jesus Fuego, his was the, uh, by far the shortest answer. <laughs> I asked him which one is going to deliver more nicotine, and he replied back, 60. That's it. So I reached out again and asked for a little bit of an explanation, and he said uh, the 60 ring gauge will absolutely deliver more nicotine to the smoker than the 40 ring gauge. There is simply larger volume of tobacco being burned, assuming that it's the same blend. Again, he's saying you, certainly you could have a Corona stronger than a 60 ring gauge, but if you've got the same blend... That's, the, that's kind of the crux of the whole argument here. 
I reached out to J.R. Dominguez via Facebook, and he said, if you're basing this argument on pure nicotine delivery, the more tobacco, the more nicotine. If the blend is the same on both sizes, the 60 ring will deliver more nicotine than the 40 ring. The bigger cigar has more nicotine due to the amount of tobacco, although in flavor, the smaller cigar will have more due to the lack of channel of airspace. A little broken English there. You may feel that the smaller ring gauge cigars are stronger, but this is in flavor only. And this is why I had pressed David about, was he referring to flavor right. or actual nicotine strength? Uh, I was able to catch Nelson Alfonso via Skype, and he said something I think is interesting. Uh, any 44 ring gauge and under should not have Lajero in it at all, or there could be some serious burn issues. You can make a cigar strong without Lajero. Where, where the tobacco is grown and what tobacco matters more for strength than what the priming is called. Why are you asking about strength? You should be asking me about flavor. And then we got into a whole other conversation about uh, flavor versus strength. But his point is, as far as if you're, when you're blending and you're using a certain kind of tobacco, getting into the, the Lajeros, the thicker leaves, unless you're talking about Connecticut Shade, you're dealing with a very, very thick cigar and you may not be able to get enough combustible around it. Even with Skip's theory, which we'll get into in a minute, of the wrapper and the binder combination can aid in superb burn. That can be your, your mm. combustion component. But on a thin ring gauge cigar, you're at 40 ring gauge, you're probably not having very thick tobaccos in there. You could still get strength, but in order to get that to burn, you're going to have a thinner tobacco than Lajero. And that was a great point by Nelson because I feel like the, the new school cigar smoker until recently has been more interested in strength versus flavor. And it's now finally beginning to switch around where they're more interested in flavor versus strength. Have you found that to be the case with yourself, Ed Sullivan? I think so. You know, uh, back in the day, everything was milder. And then I was drawn to stronger and stronger cigars and sort of left the milder ones behind. But now you I smoke do a Connecticut Shade cigar in the morning. I see always, you. Uh, you know, I usually start light and work up for the day. All right, now Skip Martin, and I, I had to both apologize to him and thank him because I pestered him more than anybody else. And the reason is, Skip, you respond faster than everybody. <laughs> he for everybody else, it's 20 minutes. For Skip, it's 10 seconds. He quit Facebook for a while. I'm wondering now if you were part of the reason. Probably. <laughs> I probably yeah. was. Uh, so he, he and I reached out to each other via Facebook, and he said, uh, I'd like to thank Mr. Jonathan in advance for encouraging the FDA to require NBV percentage or nicotine by volume percentage label on all cigars. I agree with him, by the way. While a smaller format cigar may deliver more body, a larger cigar will always deliver more nicotine because it contains a larger volume of tobacco being consumed. It is only logical that the volume of nicotine consumed is also greater. All arguments to the contrary lack common sense and the most basic of scientific rigor. Also, the world is not flat, and even though it appears Level from your perspective. Blending should be proportional. The fermentation, texture, and varietal really determines how a, how a tobacco will perform, not the priming. Most import, the most important key to combustion is the combination of wrapper and binder, in my opinion. If they burn well, the filler can be heavier. Fair statement. So before I really put this to bed, I'm just going to make a little line here, Barry. I want to give you a chance with your scientist, and I'm putting that in quotes, um, to uh, get a little rebuttal going here. You, so you want this now? Bring it. 
All right, this comes from Mike Porter, who does have a background in science. And he says, I am sorry to say that I tend to agree with Mr. Jonathan on most things. But he is wrong about the correlation between ring gauge and cigar strength. And here's how. Mr. J's premise that larger cigars have more nicotine strength because there is more total tobacco would be correct if large and small ring gauge cigars burned at the same rates. His argument hinges entirely on this assumption. Unfortunately for him, science does not support that assumption. For anything to burn, three things have to be present. Heat, oxygen, and a fuel source. A larger ring gauge cigar burns more slowly because the amount of tobacco fuel per lineal inch is higher, while the heat and oxygen are nominally the same. A common sense way to think about this is that if a 64 ring gauge burned its fuel, tobacco, at the same rate as a 38 ring gauge cigar, it would be burning so much fuel that it would heat up and become unsmokable. On the contrary, for every draw you take, you are burning about the same volume of tobacco, regardless of ring gauge, which keeps the larger ring gauge nice and cool. That validates what Krishna Roa said. He goes on to say, Barry, you were on to something with the cocktail analogy. A Jack and Coke with two ounces of liquor and four ounces of Coke hits you harder than a drink with eight ounces of Coke as long as you drink the cocktails at the same rate. Why? Because of your metabolism. Just like alcohol, each person's metabolism is capable of processing nicotine at a certain rate. When your rate of consumption of nicotine outstrips your body's metabolizing rate, that's when you start to feel a little queasy. The total nicotine in cigars matters, but it's the rate of nicotine delivery that matters the most to the strength of a cigar. Love the show, Jens. Keep up the great work. Mike from Seattle. All right. So, Mike, you bring up an interesting point that the rate of consumption for the cigars is the same. It's a puff, mm-hmm. right? And that's what uh, Christian alluded to, that a puff is a puff. puff right. You're consuming roughly the same amount of tobacco. Now... For us on the show, and in the context of Dave, where he was going, we were smoking a smaller ring gauge cigar, and he said, oh, this is stronger than the 60 ring gauge of the same line. On the show, we smoke roughly the same amount of time each week. So in that hour that we're smoking the cigar, we may go past the band on the Corona, and we may go halfway through on, let's say, a Churchill. We're going to continue smoking that cigar afterwards. The amount of nicotine delivered from that cigar is going to be more. Therefore, the cigar is nicotine stronger if it's bigger. Well, essentially all you're saying is the longer you smoke, the more nicotine. Correct. But if you smoke a smaller cigar, let's say I smoke a uh, a 4x44 for argument's sake, and I inhale that and I'm done in 20 minutes, I've now just absorbed all that nicotine. If I'm smoking a 6x60, I'm doing it at a slower rate. Therefore, my body can process it better. While the nicotine might be more in the 60 ring gauge, your body's not processing it if you're smoking it quicker. And that gives the appearance of a stronger cigar. It might not be the case, but it is the appearance which makes it a valid argument. No, it doesn't. (laughs) All right, so Nick Perdomo, I had sent him an email, and he responded in minutes with a book. And I've truncated (laughs) the book because some of the stuff he just repeated Uh, The bigger ring-gauge cigar will automatically have more nicotine. The reason being, you have the same portion of Lajero for the two different cigars. You're automatically going to have more nicotine because of the bigger circumference. 
Let me explain. You're going to have more Seiko and Viso because of the circumference, and that's going to add on to the nicotine content, even though it's lighter tobacco. There will be more leaves automatically to fill the larger ring gauge. So the nicotine content compared to the smaller cigar is going to be more overall. So the bigger cigar is going to have more nicotine. The smaller cigar will, in some cases, actually taste richer. So if you're going to make the two cigars, let's say we're talking about uh, a Perdomo, and he's got those little short Coronas, mm -hmm. right? Proportionally speaking, he's got a certain amount of strong tobacco in the center, a thick tobacco in the center of that short Corona. When you blow that out to the 60 ring gauge, in order to have the same flavor, he's got to double the amount of tobacco in the center that's thick or stronger. Are you with me? I'm with you. A puff being a puff, I'm going to be exposed to more Lajero on the thicker ring gauge cigar if the cigars are going to be tasting the same. But you're going to do it over a longer period of time. I'm going to get past if that I do, Corona if in I 20 do, minutes. If I do two ounces, two two-ounce shots of Jack, and, of Jack Daniels in a period of 20 minutes, and then I do a two Jack and Cokes with two ounces of Jack and eight ounces of Coke over an hour, I'm not going to feel the effects as much as those two shots. But if the next shot of alcohol is going to kill you, it doesn't matter. If that's your last drink and then your mm. liver shuts down, it's your last drink whether you're drinking a beer, but we're not, 6 percent alcohol, we're not or you're talking taking a about shot that. of vodka. We're, we're talking about the effects. And he, Mike Porter drunk. has Mike Porter has a thing. It's the rate of metabolism in a person. I get it, it might not be stronger. It might be 1.5% nicotine in a Corona versus 3% in a 6 by 60 But you're going through it so much quicker and your body doesn't have a chance to process it. Therefore, you think it's stronger. Well, I think Steve Sock is going to sway your mind on this one. First of all, this is my opinion, he says, as I am not a scientist. My guy is. From everything. <laughs> we don't know that his science is in tobacco, just for the record. He could be an engineer of some kind and, and do the science of how much things can hold up by, by weight. Uh, from everything I have read, there seems to be no correlation between combustion temperature and nicotine generated or consumed via the oral mucous membranes. So the reduced burn temperature of the 60 versus the 40 should not impact the nicotine level. So the burn temperature is not going to change how much nicotine you're exposed to puff for puff, kind of what Christian was saying. So based on your criteria, during the process of smoking, a cigar smoker will take essentially the same draw volume. Therefore, I believe the consumer would receive relatively the same level of nicotine from both the 40 and the 60. In the end, however, I believe the smoker will get more nicotine from the 60 ring gauge as there is simply more tobacco and he will be smoking it longer, thereby taking more draws. I agree that on a larger ring gauge, there is probably a higher amount of nicotine. That's the whole argument. But your body's you not. You heard it here first, folks. He agrees with me. But your body's not processing it. Therefore, the other one has the appearance of more nicotine. I don't give and a that, flying that's the argument. you know that what it comes about off stronger. what the appearance is. I only care about what the science is. Is there more nicotine or not? That's the argument. A Corona comes off as stronger than a 60 ring gauge. In flavor. No, in strength. Cause, no. Because your body's not You're processing it as fast. Out of mind. If it takes 20 puffs to smoke a Corona and it takes 40 puffs to smoke a 6x60, at the 20-puff mark, you're going to be exposed to the same amount of nicotine, right? Right. Okay. Then you continue for 20 more puffs and you've now doubled your nicotine. Right. But you've done it over a longer period of time because you're doing it slower. 
My friggin' and brain the most hurts. Um, and the most important thing is how many licks does it take to the center of a Tootsie yeah, Roll pop? I knew you were going to work that in somehow. <laughs> I should have written it down. Uh, Terrence Riley from Argonorsa Leaf. I spoke to him in person and then also followed up on Facebook. Uh, more of the same tobacco would fundamentally mean more nicotine. The thicker cigar will deliver more nicotine uh, if the blender was intent on keeping the flavor similar size to size. Now, you want to talk about science. When I tell you that Mike Cusano wrote a book, it was a three-page email, and he went so deep, I had to Google some stuff to just figure out what he was talking about. But I was able to truncate it again, and he says, yes, the 60 would deliver more nicotine, assuming both were smoked at the same rate and intensity. Which goes to my guy. The 60 would deliver more nicotine, assuming both were smoked at the same rate and intensity. Right, but a 60 is smoked your guy's usually saying, slower. Your guy's saying less on the 60. Because you'd spoken it longer, slower. You're smoking a thinner ring gauge quicker. Hang on. Let me read it again. The 60 would deliver more Assuming nicotine, that it was smoked at the same rate. Which they are. But like my scientist says, and I'll reiterate, the total nicotine of a cigar matters, but it's the rate of nicotine delivery. The rate of nicotine delivery. He's assuming they're going to be done at the same exact pace. That's not necessarily the case. Whatever. <laughs> he then sent me a link to the website healthfully.com, which contains some value information uh, from an actual study. And they, they put several cigars of Petit Corona size, 3.5 by 40, up against Churchill at 7 by 48. And they found that the Churchill contains roughly 200 milligrams of nicotine in its 3.9 uh, cubic inches. The Petit Corona contains approximately 100 milligrams of nicotine at 1.07 cubic inches. So the Churchill has more nicotine. But you have much longer. A 4x44 will smoke in about 40, 40 minutes. A 6x60 will smoke in about an hour and a half to two hours. So therefore, your body has a chance to metabolize it and process it. I'm going to agree with you that a larger ring-gauge cigar does have more nicotine. That's but the consumption of it, the rate of consumption matters more than the actual amount. All right. So what you're Just saying, like drinking in moderation. So what, I say, what, what you're saying is you agree with me, and now the argument's over. No. Well, I, because the, the argument was never about rate of consumption. The argument was about is there more nicotine present in a bigger a cigar a, versus a smaller one. A smaller one. cigar can appear to be stronger because your body is not processing it okay. quick. Okay. And a smoking hot chick can appear to be smoking hot until she gets close enough for you to see the Adam's apple. The, the, which so, is a mistake that you've made in the past. Many times. <laughs> so the appearance doesn't mean anything. In the end, are you taking her home or not? She's got an Adam's apple. I personally, and listen, if you're into that sort of thing, it's fine. I know Trevor is. But I personally am not, so I, I'm probably not taking him or her home. Speaking of Trevor, we should bring him on we for the classic bring him three-way. Up. Trevor, come on up here. This was uh, a suggestion by my good friend Ed Sullivan that uh, for comedic value, we should bring on one of our staff members, Trevor. By the way, Jonathan, that was called a segue. Thank you. All right. All right. We're ready to begin. All right, so it's time for the Classic 3-Way brought to you by Classic Cigars. You've heard of epic rap battles. But now it's time for the epic battle. Wow, it's kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. For this day. Tell anyone about this, I'll kill you. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. In Classic History. Here's looking at you, kid. Brought to you by Classic Cigars. Nervous? 
Yes. All classic cigars are handmade and imported from the Dominican Republic, and every cigar is priced under, get this, under $3 per cigar. You like that, baby? Let him know where I came from, yeah! Choose any blend, including the classic Connecticut for its mild and smooth taste, the classic Maduro for its bold and spicy flavor, or the classic Cuban for its sweet, sun-grown, and nutty overtones. That's Undertones, you idiot! Whichever classic you choose, it's a classic cigar. Available at twoguyscigars.com. That's twoguyscigars.com. Celebrate today with a classic cigar. All right, Trevor, you've seen us play this game many times. You've never played yourself. That's right. Do you understand how the rules work? He plays with himself plenty. (laughs) All right, so the, the goal is to be the closest on the birth date or the day that this item happened without going over. Okay. All right. So, born this day. Oh, Jonathan? Yes, sir. How many questions do you have and how many tiebreakers? I have one question, <laughs> and then I have uh, one, two, three, four, <laughs> five tiebreakers. Okay. In case we need them. Um, Ed Sullivan, I believe you are the champion? No. No, is it Barry? Correct. Barons. Yes, sir. Get Starting ready. us off. Get ready for the new champion because little do you know, I am a date wizard. Yeah, it's because he was to a downstairs studying. Taking a whiz <laughs> does not make you a yeah. wizard. I, and Jonathan, I've heard about some of his dates, and he's not a wizard. No. Wow. All right, so born this day, and, and I used today, I could have used David Garofalo's birthday. He turned 58 this Wednesday, uh, but I opted not to. 1960. 1960. He wasn't one of the questions. Uh, born this day, Marion Robert Morrison. Oof. Give me a little accolades, a little background. I think that's John Wayne, maybe. That is John Wayne. Known John professionally Wayne. as John Wayne and nicknamed The Duke. who's an American actor and filmmaker. He won the Academy Award for True Grit in 1969. That's a little help for you there, Trevi. Uh, Wayne was among the top box office draws for three decades. He died in 1979. When was he born? This is Barry first. 1905. Barry says 1905. And I had 1907. Okay, Trevor? 1907. <laughs> Somebody studied. Nope. I'm going right. to go downstairs and check the browser history. So Ed Sullivan and uh, Trevor are starting things off with two points. He was born in 1907. All right, happened this day. Dracula was uh, released. Gothic horror novel by Irish author Bram Stoker. It introduced Count Dracula and established many conventions. I see why Dave struggles. I read this in advance and I'm still getting stuck. Of subsequent vampire fantasy, the novel tells the story of Dracula's attempt to move from Transylvania to England so that he may find new blood and spread the undead curse and of the battle between Dracula and a small group of men and women led by Professor Abraham Van Helsing. Dracula was published this day in history, and it's Ed Sullivan's turn. Well, did they write down their answers? Yes, sir. I'll go 1834. Ed Sullivan has 1834. Trevor? All right, I'm going to throw a dart here. 1918. All right. 1887. All right, and let's see, 1834, 1887 is going to take it. It was published in 1897, so Barry's on the board with one point. Born this day, Norma Dolores Eggstrom. 
Any, any guesses there? Nope, couldn't tell you. Known professionally as Peggy Lee, was an American jazz and popular music singer, songwriter, composer, and actress. In a career spanning six decades, from her beginning as a vocalist on local radio to singing with Benny Goodman's big band, she forged a sophisticated persona, evolving into a multifaceted artist and performer. During her career, she wrote music for films, acted, and recorded conceptual record albums that combined poetry and music. Born this day, Peggy Lee. And now it's Trevor's turn to go first. 1924. 1917. 1905. Barry Stein's going to take that in 1917. She was born in 1920. Tied up two to two to two. Good thing you have all those tiebreakers. That's right. <laughs> uh, died this day. Robert Kraft. Hmm. He's still alive at the Patriots. Oh, different Robert Kraft, Barrett. <laughs> this is an American astronomer. He performed pioneer work on CFIT variables, stellar rotation, novea, and chemical evolution of the Milky Way. He's also associated with the Kraft break, not to be confused with Kit Kat, breaking off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. He died this day, Robert Kraft. Barry, you're up first. 1981. Ed Sullivan? This is when he died, right? Correct. Because I knew when he was born. Hmm. Let's go with 1952. And Trevor? 1968. You guys are all over. He was born 1927. But you said died. died. I'm sorry, died 1927. Right. Sorry. Uh, born this day, Miles Dewey Davis III. American jazz trumpeteer, band leader, and composer. He is among the most influential and acclaimed figures in the history of jazz and 20th century music. Davis adopted a variety of musical directions in his five-decade career, which kept him at the forefront of a number of major stylistic developments in jazz. Born this day, Miles Davis. This Barry is up. No, he went first last time. Okay, Mr. Sullivan, Sullivan is up. up. Thank you. Listen, I'm stuck on 1905. Let's try it again. All right. Trevor? This one was a softball. Come on, guys. 1926. Barry Stein? 1927. And Trevor's got two points. Somebody oh, studied. If he kicks you guys' butt. I'm going downstairs to check the browser history. Well, fine. New winner here. Ba Barry and I don't study. We didn't know a cheater was coming on. Oh, come on. <laughs> How are you going to call him a cheater? He just found out minutes before the show was going on that he was going to be on the show. Well, uh, let's have him explain to us who Miles Davis is. What was your favorite Miles Davis? Oh. Miles Davis, you know, famous musician. Come on. My, yeah, my well, generation wow. loves you, you Miles just, Davis. Wow, you just use what Jonathan on. said. Moving what, right along. Whatever. Born this day. Wait a minute. What, what genre of music? Jazz. Huh? He's good. All right. All right. All right. He studied. No one studied. Born <laughs> this day, Herbert William Trimp. American comic artist, occasional writer, best known as the seminal 1970s artist on The Incredible Hulk and the first artist to draw for the publication character Wolverine who later became a breakout star of the X-Men. Born this day, Herbert William Trimp. I think it's Barry. No, it's Trevor. I think it's Trevor, that's what I said. 1924. 1951. 1930. And Ed Sullivan is gonna get the point, but it's not enough, it's too little too late. Trevor 
is the champion of this day in classic history. Just for the record, you're not allowed to go downstairs until one of us comes with you to check the browser history. <laughs> New champion. He probably, he's a millennial. He did it on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we have your phone, please? Sure. <laughs> Okay. All right. Phone, so please? we have a new uh, we have a new champion, and we have Barry Stein agreeing with me that small cigars are in fact not stronger than large cigars. And all is well in Whoville. Next week, Dave returns from wherever he is and tells us what he can, and probably some stuff he's not supposed to tell us. Plus, he's going to weigh in on his thoughts about today's show. Did I manage to change his mind? Will he finally admit that I was right? And he was wrong. Tune in to find out. You've been listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And if you've learned nothing in the past two hours other than the fact that Mr. Jonathan was wrong, remember, if you're smoking Christoph Criollo or Neanderthal, keep the lit end out of your mouth. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.